Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Many years ago, actually September will be 20 years ago, I was, uh, I was an evangelist and traveling all over and doing all kinds of things and a chaplain of the New Orleans Saints and speaking in different places and, and God called us to plant a church. And I remember telling my wife, Christian's mom, and she looked at me and she said, I've always followed you. I've done everything that you ever wanted me to do. We had six children and you were on the road 15 to 25 days a month and I've always followed you. But so help me God, you better be right this time. It, it, it is a challenge being a pastor. As a matter of fact, one of my dearest friends is, is a guy named Jonathan Stockstell at Bethany World Prayer Center. I know there's some folks that were here from then. And I, I remember the day that he texted me and he said, I am going to follow my father and my grandfather. And uh, I, I remember texting him back these words. Welcome to pastoring. Sheep love you. Sheep pet you. Sheep poop on you. And sheep leave you. But there's no other calling in the world like it. Welcome to being a shepherd. When Jesus got ready as he came back and he began to call one of the disciples, the one who had blown it the most, the one who said, Lord, if everybody else forsakes you, you don't have to worry about me. I'm your man. I will never, ever leave you. His name was Peter. And when Jesus came back to see him after he denied Jesus and, and the resurrection, he gave him a charge. He said, Peter, do you love me? Now, this guy who always said, Jesus, I'll do anything. I don't care what anybody says. If everybody forsakes you, now began to measure his proclamations a little more. And he said, Peter, do you, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. And then he said, if you love me, feed my sheep. And then he said to him, Lord, do he said, Peter, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you, you, you know that I love you. He said, good, tend for my flock. And then he said, Peter, do you love me? And then finally, Peter, who knew now that he didn't even know his own heart, said, Lord, you, you know everything. I, I've said stupid stuff and stuck my foot in my mouth before. I, I'm tired of making stupid proclamations. Y yes, Lord, you know. And then Jesus said this, then take care of my lambs. If you really love me, love what I love, love what I gave my life for, love what I died for, love the most vulnerable, those that are young sheep that are waiting, just born again, that are waiting to be nurtured and cared for and nourished. So in this room, there's two different categories of people. Some of you are young in your faith, and this has been an amazing part of your spiritual journey. And most of you have wondered what most people wonder when they meet Christian. Is he really a pastor? And then the second thing came to you is, he's real. 
He, he's real. If, if I was following a pastor who said what he wanted to say and then said what he really wanted to say, Christian would be my pastor. Because the greatest desire that people have when they walk inside these doors of buildings that they think are churches are this. They're looking for family. You're looking for someone to be connected to. You're looking for somebody to do life with. You're looking for somebody who in this crazy, ridiculous world where anything can happen, a community of people that want to do life God's way and change their communities and one day through that, the world. If you agree with that, would you just clap right now just to make me feel better? Thank you. In, in our congregation, when I say something good and they don't know it's good, I have to remind them. It's part of my job as, as a leader. So some of you are here, and, and this, you're, you're long, young lambs, and this is a part of your new journey. And there are others of you that are here that look and see what other people can't see. And I'm so grateful for those people that are here today with me. One of them is Don Mendoza, one of our elders. When he came to Christ, he came because he came to a small meeting like this. We were meeting out in the middle of the country in orange chairs in a former honky-tonk with not even a proper men's bathroom. And one day he didn't show up. And at that time, I was so desperate, I called everybody, every service. If I thought you might have driven by our church, I called you. And I called him and I said, Donald, Donald, wh 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 where are you? I didn't see you today. And it was very easy to see who was there, like this crowd right here. I would every night call everyone that didn't show up. I wanted them to have this fear at night when they went to bed on Saturday night. If I don't go to church, that Mexican will call me. <laughs> and, you know, I, here Mexicans aren't that scary. But in Louisiana, there aren't that many Mexicans, so they're still scary. And so I, I wanted them to think that. And then I would call. Every Sunday night I would call. I'd literally pull up the list. What we did is we tricked people. We would get them to sign in their names. And then whoever didn't sign in, I called. And I called Don one night and I said, uh, Hey, Donald, I, I saw that you were in a church today. Yeah, Pastor, I've been going through some things. Little did I know what all God would do in his life. He's coming out of an incredibly broken past and family and all the different things, the challenges that you could face. But that was the moment that he was coming to Christ, leaving drugs and addiction and the alcoholism of his father and all of those different things. And his journey became one that really is the story of, of our church. And now 20 years later, he's the independent car dealer of the year. He owns several car dealerships, new and used there's no less than 100 people that get ministered to every week at his place. And in order to be at Don's wholesale or part of one of his dealerships, you have to be in a Bible study or receiving daily texts about what Jesus can do in your life. No one saw that 20 years ago. All they saw was potential in people. This weekend, almost 8,000 people will gather at those four campuses 30 to 50% African-American, rich, poor, black, white. And when people come walking in, they look around and go, this must be like heaven. Rich and poor, black and white, worshiping God together. 
That's what I see when I look out at the crowd that's here today. Some of you that are here that are young in your journey, and then some of you who've been called to be cornerstones to see what other people can't see until many years from now when thousands of people are here and this entire region is being impacted by Valley Rise Church, you can say, God privileged me to be a part of it from the beginning. So that was my message for free. We're going to take up an offering at the end. Now I'm going to give you the message we're going to charge for. Uh, a man just passed away in our community. He was a Catholic man. His name was uh, Dr. Moses Rausch. Dr. Rausch loved me, loved coming to Bible studies. I did a Bible study for 20 years at a restaurant, and he, he, he would come. I remember he passed away two weeks ago. He wrote the first check to us starting our Savior's church. He never attended there. But when he went home to be with the Lord two weeks ago, he got part of that reward. Each weekend at our four campuses, 150 people are born again. And God is continuing to work. And I think of those people just like that who were part of sowing the early seed, of seeing what only God could see. I don't know what the paper's like here in Tomball. Does anybody take the newspaper here? Spring? Nobody. Do they have a paper here? Is Instagram the local paper here? Okay, do they have the FFA? Well, I, I, in Lafayette, I take the paper every day, and I take the paper every day for two reasons. First reason I take the paper is because nobody else does, just like this. The second reason is there is two columns that I like to read every week. One is the obituary. That means people that have passed away. Now, I used to read it to see who passed away, who might be related to our church or somebody else you send flowers to. I now read it to make sure my picture's not in there. That's the first reason I read it. The second columns that we have that's pretty interesting, and I don't know if they do that in local newspapers here, but everybody that was arrested, true story, True story. Everybody that's arrested, and they put the picture of the person, and you know what those mug shots look like. That's not the Olin Mills selfie look. You know, it's like, and, and, and so they, they, get, they get that picture, and then they say what you did. So I also look to see how many of our parishioners have been arrested. Yeah, it used to be funny. It's like True. So, so you look and you see, well, man, God, I didn't know this was going on, or maybe I need to send someone over to jail to talk to them, or maybe I need to go over to jail to talk to them. Or, and, and it occurred to me as I was reading that, that, that you know, God, what a terrible thing for, for people to put your record out there like that. And no matter what happens for the rest of your life, I mean, they know that record. I said that, when people come walking in the doors of these churches, buildings, what they're really looking for is family. I, I call that spiritual family. For me, when I came to Christ, the church became my spiritual family. As a matter of fact, I like to say it like this. Jesus saved my soul, but the church of Jesus saved my life. It saved my life. The pastor became my father. 
The pastor became my father and is to this day. 46 years later, I still speak to him every week. He's the one that showed me how to be a husband and a father and a man. And today, I've been able to bring an amazing joy. He's 77 years old and still preaches all over the world and travels. But when he went and preached in the body of Houston and claimed a school for Christ and a thousand kids came to Christ, he took me in. And for the next 10 years, he would raise me like his own son. When I was 17, I would move in with him, graduate from high school, and then he would speak to the future and destiny of my life. It's amazing because you never know what you're going to meet when you come to church. How many of you know that Christian is grossly overmarried? Okay, you don't have to have a gift of discernment. All you have to have is eyes. Okay, and 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 when 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 you meet Alex and you wonder how did they get together? Do you know how they got together? At church. Be careful where you go to church. Anything could happen. And that's where they met. They, they met at church. Who, where you go to church could determine a whole lot of things, even your children's future. But really, church at its best is a family, and family at its best is simply relationships. How many of you love people? Okay, some of you are kind of timid. I'm sorry about the people you know. How many of you have relatives you can't introduce, you have to explain? Like, don't let Uncle Fred hug you. <laughs> okay, uh, Tia Susie's got a beard. Don't, don't look, don't stare at it. Okay, and for those of you who are white, don't know, Tia in Spanish is aunt. Okay, so, so I mean, everybody's got one, one of those type of folks. But here's what I know about life. The quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. I'm going to say that again. The quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. Let me explain that. Two days ago, one of the most famous reporters in the world committed suicide. The day before that, one of the most famous women creative individuals, Kate Spade. In the world, many of you women have a, some part of a purse or a belt or, or something. How many of you have something from Kate Spade or ever owned something from Kate Spade? Look, look at the hands in this room. And this woman who was known by so many committed suicide. Why? They're now unpacking it. Her husband was divorcing her. her uh, can I tell you this? The quality of your life is determined by the quality of your, starting with your relationship with God. When things are right between me and God, I can put up with a lot in the world. Correct? But when I'm not right with God, I always say that feeling in debt and feeling in sin are the, both the same feelings. You go to bed at night, you're thinking about it. You wake up in the morning, you're thinking about it. When your mind isn't focused on something else, you think about it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So we have a lot of professional sinners here. Thank you very much. It's always good to know who I'm preaching to. 
But I can tell you the quality of your life determines the quality of your relationship. And you know principle is true because it's true from God, you and God, to everyone else. The quality of my relationship with God determines the quality of my life. The quality of my relationship with my mate. How many of you have a wonderful mate? Raise your hand. How many of you have ever gone through seasons where things weren't wonderful? Raise your hand. If you lie, you fry, turn or burn. You don't read the word, you're a nerd. I mean, it's true. Things can go bad. And how many of you know it doesn't matter how nice your house is or what hotel room you're staying in, when there's something going on between you and them, and you know that, indi that, that like indivisible line that's between y'all, and like you're mad, and like you try to stick your toe over there and they slap your leg. I don't even want to touch your toe. Okay, the honest people are laughing. The rest of you are lying. Because everybody's had that experience. And you're sitting here going, we're on vacation. We're in a beautiful place. I'm married to the person that I love. We have children. We're healthy. Why are we mad at each other? The quality of your life determines the quality of your relationships. How many of you agree that that's true? Just say yes. Okay. Then if that's true, then the quality of your relationships are determined by how you resolve conflict. And there's two types of people here. The first part are the people that are processors. Honey, there's a problem. Come on, let's sit down and talk about it. I mean, if we got a problem, then we don't just sit around and talk about it because we just got to get all of this out because I just don't want you to hold all of this in because I want us to have a good night tonight. And I mean, I have a rule. I don't argue with my wife after 7 o'clock at night. I am not ruining romance overnight. We'll argue tomorrow morning after coffee. After 7 o'clock is peace, peace, wonderful peace. And so... The quality of your life is determined by how you resolve conflict. Why? Because that determines the quality of your relationships. So there's two types of people. Well, those are processors. Let's talk about it. Let's just sit down right now and talk about it. How many of you here are processors? You want to talk it out? Come on. Come on. Raise your hand. Let's talk about it. Okay. Okay. And then the second group are stuffers. You just... just Oh, really? And you just swallow it. And swallow it. You just go down. And then all of a sudden, it starts going down here, and then it goes up to here, and then the next thing happens, and it goes up to here, and the next thing that happens, it goes up to here, and the next thing that happens, and it goes up to here, and the next thing that happens, and it goes up to here, and then you're fed up. That actually means you shove so much down in there that you can't swallow anymore. How many stuffers do we have here? Okay. So we have processors and we have stuffers. And then we have another group that haven't raised their hand. You're the liars. <laughs> and the stuffers and the processors said? And some women's, not a man's, a woman's too. Jesus created man. And so no one could tell us how to resolve conflict like Jesus. The Bible says that all things are possible. But do you know that there's one thing that Jesus said 
was impossible? Look at this. Luke 17, 1. Jesus, who said all things are possible, looks and he says this. It is impossible that no what? Say that word loud. Okay, listen, I know some of you didn't graduate from Austin and Milby High School like all my people in the barrio. Okay, but maybe let's just, let's just act like you know what that means. Okay, it is impossible that no, what's the word? Offenses. It means we get offended. Offense. Jesus said it's impossible to go through life and not be. Now, Jesus said that's impossible and he's Jesus then that means if the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships and the quality of your relationships is determined by how you resolve conflict, then the number one rule in life should be how do I learn to get by offenses? Because offenses build fences. Offenses build fences between me and other people. Offenses build fences between me and God. There are people here that are offended with other people. You, you know how I know? I'm going to tell you how right now. Are you ready? I, I was at my, uh, I think it was, well, it was Christian's wedding. That's who it was. And Christian and Alex were getting married, and, and one of their former youth pastors, who's like a son to me, Dwight Derwin, was performing the ceremony. And while he was performing the ceremony, he was just, I was just admiring. He'd been with me since he was a teenager, trained in our, our, our internship program in school, and I'm just admiring what a great job he's doing. And then he used this verse. It's in John, excuse me, Corinthians 13, 5. And here's what he said. Love keeps no record of being wrong. It keeps no record of being, say that last word with me, wrong. And, and I was thinking, I mean, I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of weddings, married several of the people that are here. And I, I was just thinking, man, that, that's good. I, I've never thought about that. That, that. That's really good. And I started thinking about how records ruin relationships. And then I started thinking about people that, that I used to be really close to that I'm not close to anymore and, and what, what blew the bridge out in our relationship. And I began to think about the records of the offenses. About two weeks later, thinking back on that, I was just having a morning time and, and, and devotion. And, and I want to encourage every one of you, no matter who you are, meet God before you meet anybody else during the day. Talk to him before you talk. It doesn't even matter if it's 15 minutes. Some of you here grew up watching your parents or grandparents read the Bible every morning. How many of you did that? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you are not readers? Raise your hand. Come on, you're not readers. I know, you're Instagram followers. Jesus can say anything to me in a Snapchat. Jesus can say anything to me once in a post. You know what's really cool is today you can download the U version of the Bible. How many of you have the U version of the Bible on your phone? If you don't, it's a free app, Y-O-U version. Do you know that it will read the Bible to you? And you can choose which voice you want. 
Like you can get the real guy like Alexander Scorby and Jesus came forth from the, I mean, he's got like a Dracula voice. It's wonderful. Or you can get like a cool voice from the message translation. And Jesus came and he saw the disciples and said, hey guys, what's up? This all fun. I mean, you, you can listen to any voice, you, but you can have the word of God read to you. Why is that so important? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And you are hearing fear through the news. You are hearing fear through all the reporting that's going on. You're hearing fear through all media. You need to feed your faith. So meet God before you meet anybody else and let him talk to you. My wife and I love the devotion Jesus Calling. How many of you have the devotion Jesus Calling? If you don't, you can download the app. It takes three minutes to read. It's always encouraging and inspiring, isn't it? And so that, I wanted, that was a sideline. I don't know where that came from, but somebody needed to hear that. So I was thinking about, in my devotion time, that message was a couple of weeks later. And I kept hearing this in my mind. Love keeps no record of wrong. Love keeps no record of wrong. Love keeps no record of wrong. And then I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know what I'm talking about when I say that? Let me explain to you, those of you who don't. If your mind is like a blank slate, like when you wake up and you're not thinking of anything, and then all of a sudden something's written on the board that you know didn't come from you. How many of you know what I'm talking about when I say that? Okay, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And so I'm there and I'm praying and I'm just thinking about the message and I've got my Bible open and I heard that voice say to me, and quietly, again, not audible, just in my mind, written there, you're a record keeper. You're a record keeper, Jacob. And immediately, I did what we all do. That's not true. I, I've forgiven everybody. And then I started thinking of all the people I held a record against and saying I forgave them. <laughs> which was kind of a self-defeating argument. Oh, I forgave them when they did that to me, and I forgave them when they did that to me, and God, I forgave them when they did that to me. And then I was reminded by virtue of me having to say that, I had not expunged, is the legal term. The word expunged means you committed a crime, and it's literally removed off of your record, so you have no more record anymore. So I want to ask you a question. It's a simple one. Are you a record keeper? Isn't it amazing how you can go to the grocery store? You know, your wife sends you to the grocery store. You go to the grocery store. To get, how many ever got to the grocery store and forgot why you were there? Huh? And you just like, you just get a little latte. You're just walking around and visiting with folk. And all of a sudden, you know, you, 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 your mate calls you and goes, what are you doing? Well, I'm at the store. Okay, I know. Did you get what I sent you for? Well, I, baby, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't, what, what, what did you want? Milk. M-I-L-K. Cows. Milk. Moo. Your children need milk. Organic 1%, 2%. Powdered bread milk. Okay. Why is it that sometimes you can forget what you were going to the store to get that you could remember five minutes ago? 
but you remember somebody who hurt you when you were in sixth grade and you remember every detail. Why? I, I'm going to, now, now remember this. I know some of you are going, I don't know, why? Listen, I'm not very smart, but I am smart enough to not ask you a question that I don't know the answer to. When trauma happens to you, there is a portion of your brain where the episodic, for an episode, where episodic trauma stays in your brain and it can be remembered on instant recall for the rest of your life like it happened five minutes ago. You, you, you've all heard just like me, you know, it's, it's one thing to forgive, it's another thing to forget. And they're right. You know what's so amazing about God? Is that he not only forgives us, but he, he forgets. As a matter of fact, still the thing that I love most about God. There's things I've done I don't ever want anybody to know. I even have my sister sitting on the front row. They think they know a few things they would like to tell you. Number one, they can't have the microphone. Number two, they're habitual liars. Don't believe anything they say. But, but, but you know what? Most of us think that if somebody really, really knew who I was, if they knew the worst that I've done, they would love me. You know what's so amazing about Jesus? Is that he's the only one who knows everything about me. And he's still the one that loves me the most. That's a good place to clap. He's, he's the one that loves me the most. And he knows things that nobody will ever know about me, and I don't ever want anyone to know. Those records are washed under the blood of Jesus, never to be remembered again. And then I had this horrible thought that came to me when I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, you're a record keeper. And here's what it was. This is point number two. The devil is a record keeper too. Jesus is the record expunger. But the devil is the record keeper. As a matter of fact, for everything we know about the devil in the Bible, the devil only speaks three times in the first person in the Bible. How many of you believe there is a devil? No, don't point to your mate. How many believe there is a devil? Okay, okay. For all that we believe, knowing that there is a devil, he only speaks three times in the first person in the entire Bible. The first time, in the garden. And in the garden, do you know what he does? He accuses God to man. Eve, God's keeping something good from you. He doesn't want you to eat of this tree because if you ate of this tree, you'd be like him. And God, God is not good. God doesn't, listen, the devil didn't try to get Adam and Eve to not believe in God. He tried to get them to believe that the God that was there was not for them. He was not for them. The second time the devil speaks, it's to Job in the book of Job. He goes and the book of Job records that he goes before God. And he says to God, God, you see your servant Job down there? You've blessed him. He's the wealthiest man in the world. He's the Bill Gates of his day. If you took all the blessings away from him, he would curse you to your face. The first time, he accuses God to man. The second time, he accuses man to God. 
The third time is in the garden. Excuse me, in the wilderness, where he's being tempted for 40 days. And the devil comes to Jesus and says, if you were really the son of God, you would. And he begins to call out the son of God. Every time the devil speaks, it's always an accusation. Every time the devil speaks, one of his titles is called the accuser of the brethren. As a matter of fact, the book of Revelation says this, Then I heard a strong voice out of heaven saying, Salvation and power are established in the kingdom of our God, the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown out, who accused them day and night before God and before others. This is the enemy. He's a record keeper. And then when I heard, you're a record keeper. And then when I heard, the devil's a record keeper. I, I didn't want to be a record keeper. How, how could I go back to the areas of my life where people have wronged me? And can I tell you why I didn't want to forgive them? For the same reason you didn't. Because see, when, when I put a fence between you and me, it keeps you from coming back and hurting me again. You, you can't come back and do to me again what you did before. I'm going to put that fence up so you can't get to me. And if you can't get to me, then you can't hurt me again so I'm safe. And somehow we hold on to offenses that become fences and we think they make us safe. When in reality, all they make us is bitter. Do you know what the word resentment means? How many have ever said, I resent that? How many have ever said, I resent them? Okay. How many have ever thought, I resent them? Okay. Does anybody have a hand here besides me? Okay, thank you. You know what the word resent means? The actual word resent means to relive. To relive. Now, how many of you here are from Louisiana or have ever been to Louisiana? Raise your hand. Look, look, look around you. Look around you. This is Cajun country right here. Go Tigers. Go Cajuns. So watch this. And, and I'm a big Tiger fan. I'm Coach O's pastor. So uh, go Tigers. When, when crawfish season comes around, my, my wife is a Baudouin. So, I mean, she's, she's you know, when... when when, when she and I married, when a Mexican married a Cajun, we created a new race of people called the Mexicoons. And so when, 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 you know, when, when crawfish season comes around, she was raised all of her life, she'd go, mmm, crawfish season is coming up. Mmm. Now, South Louisiana, how many have ever eaten crawfish? Raise your hand. Is the only place where you can see absolutely gorgeous women pull the head off of a crawfish. In Texas, y'all call them crawdad, and suck the head till the eyes are wiggling back and forth. Then stick their finger in the head and go, that was good. That took a while to get used to. But when crawfish season opens, she'll say that. She'll go, I got an envie for some crawfish. Now, envie is a French word for, I think, Well, we got more Cajuns here than Mexicans. Come on, Mexicans are supposed to be taking over Houston. What's happening? And so 
she, she would go, I got an RV for some crawfish. And so she and my daughter, I'm, I'm not a big boiled crawfish fan. They'll, they'll, they'll get boiled crawfish. And I mean, they'll just, mm, 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 mm. And, and, and you know, when I do get them, and there's a guy in our church, his name is Matt, and he would he'd give them, they were about this big. They look like baby lobsters. And I, I'd, I'd eat them with him. And when you ate those good, I mean, Savoy sausage and corn and mushrooms and potatoes and Tony Sasheries and Jesus, I'm hungry. It was so good. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That first crawfish, those first big ones. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Until about 12 o'clock at night. When them crawfish that are usually swimming down here with Bud Light, Dos Equis, Budweiser. They're just kind of, I don't know. Cajuns think crawfish can't go down unless alcohol chases them. Matter of fact, Cajuns' favorite scripture is, Jesus drank wine. I always tell people about church, Jesus drank wine, Pastor Gia, but you're drinking a margarita. That ain't wine. <laughs> well, I mean, but it's kind of like wine. No, it's not kind of like wine. <laughs> and so, where was I? Crawfish. And then all of a sudden, about 12 o'clock at night, you just, and you start tasting. You're belching up what seems so good when it went down, but it's not so good when it comes up. That's what resentment is. You swallow it only for it to come back. Remember, the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships, and the quality of your relationships is determined by the quality of how you resolve Conflict. Jesus said offenses were coming. It was impossible for them not to come. Records ruin relationships. So, Pastor, how, how, how do I, how, how do I get over this? And I want you to skip to page four on my notes because I'm going to wrap up and land this plane. Has this been good so far? Hey, good. Hey, you know how I know it's good? My sisters are clapping on the front row. So I just want to officially declare, I forgive y'all. I expunge all of your record, Amy, except where you bit me right here, and I still have a scar right here. Jesus, all right, good. How do I release my record of others? How many of you would like to know how to do that? Raise your hand. How many would be honest enough to say, Pastor Jacob, I've been a record keeper. Come on, be honest. When I said that, records come up. Okay. So I want to talk to you in these last four or five minutes on how to expunge the record of others. Number one, own it. You can't change what you don't own. I want you to say that with me. I can't change. Okay, we got kind of slow learners. It was fast up here, real slow back there. Okay. I can't change what I don't own. You can't change what you don't own. Oh, I'm not really mad. Oh, I'm not really bitter at them. I just don't want to be around them. No, I don't hate them. They're just not my favorite people. Okay, you can't change what you don't own. The first sin in the garden resulted in irresponsibility. God came and he said, what happened, Adam? Adam said, it wasn't me, it was... Her, the woman. The woman said, it wasn't me, it was the snake. 
The snake said, I'm a snake. What'd you expect? <laughs> Number one, own it. You can't change what you don't own. Denial delays healing. Denial keeps you in deception. Number two, repent. Say that with me. Repent. In our area, we live in the highest Catholic population in the United States. As a matter of fact, 10 years ago in my city, there were more people on Catholic church rolls than actual people that lived in the city. That's why the name of our church is Our Savior's Church. All our churches look like big Catholic cathedrals. I want to reach our community. But I could tell you, we know a lot about penance in our area. It's when you give up something. It's when you take on pain for something that you did wrong. The word repent means that I was going this direction and I completely turn and go the opposite direction. Pastor, how, how do I do that? The word repent means to see what I've done that's wrong. To hate what I've done that's wrong. And then to turn away from it and go the opposite direction. It, it isn't like, okay, I'll, I'll give this up, but, but you better not do anything to me again. I'm going to give you a little like a half turn. But you know, if you mess up, you know what they say. If you do me wrong once, shame on me. You do me wrong twice, shame on you. I'm not going to let you do that to me. Repent. Repent. Whoa, 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 Jacob, you, you don't understand what they did to me. I've been molested. I've been abused. I was left. Somebody divorced. Somebody lied about me. Someone stoked. Someone hurt my children. You don't know. I don't. I really don't. But he does. He does. He does. You say, I, I don't think I can forgive them. I agree with you. You can't forgive them. You could not forgive yourself. God brings forgiveness to you through Jesus so he can bring forgiveness through you to others. Only the forgiven can truly forgive. Someone said it like this, the one who will not forgive burns the bridge through which he must daily cross to get to God. Only the forgiven can forgive. Here's the third thing. Renew your mind towards them. You say, Jacob, what does that mean? Do you know what the Bible tells us to do with people that hurt us and that we consider our enemies? It says, bless them and pray for them. Okay, wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait, okay, you want me to remove the fence. You want me to give them the possibility of hurting me again. You want me to release them. And now you're telling me to bless them? Are you on crack? No, just weed. It's legal in California. No. 
The scripture says, bless those who curse you, do good to those who despitefully use you, and speak all manner of evil against you. And by doing so, you will be called a child of the Most High God. Because the only one that forgives and forgets and never brings it up again is God. And when we do that, we become just like Him. We become just like Him. We become just like Him. Jesus wants to come to those memories in your life. And he wants to heal you. Many of you know, and you've probably heard Christian share the story of my 20-year-old son that was killed two and a half years ago. Run over half a mile from our home. The street that we pass by, I pass by that spot 10 to 20 times a day. I have to. The lady that ran over him and killed him, we've never received a call, a text message, a letter, a note, a flower, and I'm sorry. Nothing. Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute, Pastor. How, how, how do you deal with that? I don't forgive because what others have done to me. I forgive because of what he's done for me. He brings forgiveness to me so he can bring forgiveness through me to others. That's why the scripture says, forgive one another even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Forgiven you. I forgive because how much I've been forgiven for. You don't know what they've done to me. Can I tell you something? Do you know who's done worse things to me than anybody in the whole world to me, Jacob or Hans? Do you know who? Me. I've done worse things to myself than anybody could ever do to me. And everyone said, well, I mean, not just about me. I mean about you. It's like, yeah, you jacked yourself up. No, I'm talking about you. All of us. God's antidote is to bless them and to pray for them. Because you know what happens when I pray for people? I bring myself into alignment with God's will for their life. And when I begin to pray for people, I can't hold on to all that stuff that's keeping them on the other side of the fence. I can't. Today, I, I, I want to lead you I want to lead you in an exercise to release the records, to expunge the records of others. Today, I want to help you. I want to save you $10,000 worth of counseling. Because in the presence of God, in three minutes of you allowing the Holy Spirit to come and to go right back to that traumatic place and to show you where Jesus was in the middle of it, can, can I tell you where real healing came from my wife? This is so personal. I've never shared this. For two years, the cloud lived in my home of the loss of my son. Two years. Didn't matter what was going on. When I walked in the house, the cloud was there. The heaviness, the tears, the pictures, her replaying videos 
And she went to some amazing counseling, the best counseling, trauma counseling in the world. And they brought her back and said, in your mind, what do you see happening when Wesley was taken? Well, he's on a motorcycle and is in the middle of a busy street. He's hit and he's laying there by himself. And our son died a half a mile away from our home with no one there. And then the counselor said, where do you think Jesus was? I don't know. Well, I want you to pray with me and we're going to stop and we're going to wait. And the God who is everywhere and the Jesus who sees all things is going to show you where he was. And she began to break. This was several hours. And in brokenness and in weeping, she stopped and she said, I see Jesus. The counselor said, where is he? She said, he's holding Wesley. He's holding him. I see him. I see him. He's not laying out in the street by himself anymore. I see him being held in the arms of Jesus. Where was Jesus in your trauma? Where was Jesus in your pain? Can I tell you where he was? Could you bow your head with me all across this place? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much that you are here, that your spirit is here, that your presence is here. That you, the God of the universe that knows every thought of our mind, that knows that no one being here is ever an accident. It's a divine moment for you to speak to them. Today. Today. I ask you to come and reveal yourself, Holy Spirit, to the places of pain in our life. So I want everyone here in this building, I want you to say these words out loud with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for being a record keeper. I've never wanted you to keep my record. But I've kept the record of others. They're offenses to me. Today, Lord Jesus, forgive me as I forgive them. Release me as I release them. And now for many of you who have experienced great trauma, I want you to go back to that moment right now in your mind where you felt alone, abandoned, afraid. And I want you to ask Jesus right now, Jesus, where were you? Where were you? Where were you? 
was weeping for you. He was weeping with you. Jesus, come now as only you can. Show us your goodness and your grace. Show us your mercy and your compassion. Show us, Father. Show us, Jesus. Show us, Holy Spirit. Receive the cleansing presence of the Holy Spirit. Now let's finish this prayer together. Today, Lord, I release them. I expunge their record in Jesus' name. Every time it comes up, I'll bring it to the cross where my sin is. Every day it comes up, I'll bring it to the cross. Every minute it comes up, I'll bring it to the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope that encouraged you today, fed you spiritually today. Did you enjoy that? What I shared with you only took me about 45 years to be able to articulate and hundreds of hours worth of counseling over the last two and a half years to help you. I'm determined that it will happen for us and not to us. I'm determined that God's plan and His days number each of our lives and the purposes that are behind them. Today, As many of you know, the next steps class is going to happen after this. But right now, we want to receive our tithes and offerings. And before the ushers come, I want to tell you there's three ways you can give. You can give online, which I know now about 50% of our church does. Secondly, you can give via text. And third, you can give here today in person. Look at me here one moment. I'm going to share something with you. How many of you, if you had $1,000 to it, invest in Apple stock when Apple just got started you'd happily find that money and do it raise your hand the rest of you are habitual liars (laughs) because that thousand dollars would probably be worth a minimum of a hundred thousand dollars today when you invest in what God is doing here You can sit with many of the people who years from now will look back and say, the greatest seed I've ever sown, the greatest investment I've ever made was in the kingdom of God and seeing God reproduce it here. Seeing God reproduce it here. So, ushers, we're going to pray and then would you come. Father, thank you for the precious people that are here. Thank you for those that have trusted enough to invest their resources into the dream, your dream. Not Christian and Alex's dream for Tom Ball, Woodland Spring. Your dream. And when thousands of people and multiple services are going on, they will know they saw what only you could see. 
and a handful of others that believed your great love for this community and this region would lead you to give dreams and visions to young men and women and young leaders to see the kingdom of God continue to expand and grow. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead, ushers. If you're making out a check, make it out to Valley Rise Church. You got one assignment for next week, okay? Now, here's what I'm, I want you to do. I personally, as a father, have waited for this day for 31 years to preach at my son's church. I, I carried... I carried Christian walking in prayer an hour every morning of his life till I could no longer carry him. Now he's carrying his children and your children. But I want you to look at him. This is just for me. And I want you to look at him and next week I want you to look him right in the eye. I want you to put your hands on both of his shoulders and go, if you ever become half the preacher your daddy is, no. Encourage him, love him, pray for him. Thank you so much for being here today. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.